Hello everyone, J-Mac here with the Fulham Focus team. Just a quick note to say that this pod was recorded only an hour before it was made official that Leno had signed with us. We would like to welcome Leno and we hope you enjoy the pod. And hopefully now this means we'll sign some centre-backs. Hi guys, this is Paul Konczewski and you're listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. Well, here we go again. Pre-season is over and our second trip to the Premier Inn is about to commence. We'll look back on Villarreal. Silva's pissed off, still no centre-backs. Liverpool, hello Leno. Injury fears and some season predictions. With me to chat and try to stay marginally balanced on the calm and panic tightrope, our messes Wigo and Sarge. I'm J-Mac, let's go. And Wigo just asked off there, did you mean to call it the Premier Inn? Yeah, of course I did. It's just basically we're in the Premier League for such little time these days that I just like to call it that just for, you know, bants. Anyway, guys, how are you? It's been a while that I've seen you all. It's really nice to get this kick started again. I'd say by the look in your faces, there's not too nervous, maybe a nervous, excited sort of ratio going on. Sarge, how are you feeling on a scale of nervous and excited for the season, mate? You've actually caught me at the, at the worst time because I, I hit panic stations at the weekend. <laughs> um, I've, I've been battling it. I've, I've been really positive up until probably about two days before Villarreal when I was like, yeah, we're nowhere near ready. Where are all the players? Where are the defenders? It's all going to go horribly wrong. Um, so yeah, while I was, I was pretty patient, I felt pretty confident, comfortable with how everything was going. And then the last sort of five days is, is definitely I've lost my head. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. How about you then, Boyko, mate? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It is going to be, you know, something different. Admittedly, it's going to be a lot tougher than it was last year. Need to uh, get out of the habit of expecting to win every game now, like last season. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's going to be tough. We we all know it's going to be tough. You know, it's a Premier League, and we come up against the big boys. Um, but I definitely feel like this is the best shot we've got. If I look at this time round compared to the last two times, I think I'm I'm the most confident that we'll stay up this time. And that's without, you know, obviously signing players that we need to get in. I still believe that Silver can do the job and that the players we've got can do the job. All right, nice. Well I mean I'm I'm sort of in it's good. I am in the in the balance between you and Sarge of that one. I feel like um a bit of panic stations and a bit of optimism i'm just waiting for the the first freak out that we have the first sort of focus whatsapp group whatsapp group meltdown if it's a panenka or if it's something that josh Major does you know i don't i'm just curious to know what it's going to be for us this season but it should be it should be interesting now as we begin a new dawn for full and focus we've now got a new format we're going to introduce a little quiz but it's only one question and i'm going to deliver this question to my co-hosts each episode and i'm going to ask you a question and we'll reveal the answer at the end so it's for everyone listening to basically take part as well. So here's the question. Here we go from Danny Boy. Following the club's promotions to the Premier League in 2001, 2018 and 2020, in total, how many Fulham debuts were there across the opening league games of those three Premier League seasons? All right. And the closest to the actual answer wins. All right. And I'll give you a hint. So the opening first three games in those seasons were... Man United away in 2001, Crystal Palace at home in 2018, and Arsenal at home in 2020. All right, so there are your hints, and we'll discuss that at the end. All right. Right, so let's look back at the Villarreal game. How would you say the new signings played then, Sarge, mate? What were your general vibes for this game? Yeah, it's it's always difficult to read too much into to pre-season but I think that that last one before the season kicks off is, is always a bit of a funny one because players are in that position where you, you kind of need to start treating it like a normal match but no one wants to get injured in that final pre-season friendly um, 
And if that is the case, then you want to stay as far away from Pelina as possible if you're trying to avoid injury because he was smashing into people left, right, and center. Mm. Um, but I thought I thought the new lads certainly looked useful. I, it's, I'm in this weird catch twenty two situation where I feel like we haven't done anywhere near enough business, and I feel like the strategy around transfers is wrong. But then at the same time, I contradict that by looking at the players we have brought in, like Palina and Andreas Pereira and Babu. And I think actually the business that we have done is smart business. I just don't think overall we've done particularly smart business. Um, the players that we brought in are definitely the right sorts of players. We're just missing a load. For those lads that came in, I think Pereira looked good throughout preseason, to be fair. And that might be partly because he is coming off of you know playing competitive football in Brazil. He hasn't had sort of like the break everyone else has had. And it might also be because he has been dubbed the preseason Pirlo. So maybe this is just what he does. And Babu was on for, what, five minutes and, and made an impact. And, you know, as I said, Palinha, he's, he's the sort of player that you need in the middle of the park, especially for a team that's going to be, you know, trying to keep others at bay at times. He breaks up play. He puts himself about. He disrupts the opposition. So I think the lads that we've got have settled in well. We just... We need more. Yeah, we definitely need more. And obviously there's been a rumour, well, it's getting more concrete the more days go longer, that Harry Wilson's injured from the, I think it's a behind-closed-doors friendly with Villa. So that's that's a bit worrying. I'll say about the wingers that played instead of him. So you've got Cabano and Bobby Deckard over Reed, and they seem to do a really good job. I think they swapped over a couple of times, and this, the passing seemed good. Wigo, was there anything else you noticed that was bears us in good stead for Saturday, even though everyone's predicting a complete massacre? I mean, I thought we played well. We were definitely good value for at least a draw, you know, if not a win. We created some really good chances. I think it's very clear that a lot of the play will come down the wings this year. You know, we were looking to get that ball into Mitro and obviously the goal did result in a cross. Um, a fantastic run from Mbabu as well. I thought Polina looked brilliant. Um, some of the passing was just outrageous. So to see him get injured at one point, my heart was in my mouth a little bit, but he did get up. Um, but then at full time, I mean, I, from my personal opinion, he looked like he was limping when he walked back on the pitch, which was uh, an instant like, oh, God, moment because, he's, you know, he's going to be crucial. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Sarge said the new players come in, they've done well. A smart business. Pereira has looked really good despite my reservations. Um, obviously, plenty of time to go yet. But the business, as Sarge said, has been smart. I, you know, there's not been enough of it. But it's, it's good business um, and there is more to come. We definitely are missing a centre-back. I do think Tim Ream played really well on uh, Sunday. He had a really good game, just the usual Tim Ream. Obviously, a friendly is difficult to judge because of the tempo and you can't really judge too much on Villarreal because, you know, how much of that is their first team, how much of it isn't, how much a team's really going for it. Um, so obviously Liverpool is a whole different ball game on Saturday, and as it looks like we will be get, that looks like it will be the team, uh, maybe other than Solomon. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes on Saturday. But there were positive signs there. Yeah, another positive sign I had. It seems that Mitrovic is looking really up for it at the moment. I mean, he was quite leery in in one of the preseason friendlies before this, but he was incredibly leery with the referee at one point as well. He seems um, he seems a lot fitter than he's ever been. Um, he seems in brilliant form. Um, in terms of goals that he scored in these games. So it's it's going to be very useful for us to him being firing on all cylinders as soon as we start. Going back to you, Wigger, mate, what was the new stand like? Yeah, no, it was lovely, mate. Um, yeah, I think there's still a few bits to be finished. But um, yeah, we had a great view. We were sat right by the dugout as well, uh, right behind the linesman. I'm glad I don't sit that close to the pitch every week, I must admit. But uh, it was nice to see the scoreboards, which was good. Um, but yeah, beautiful, really, really beautiful. I think one thing to note, you know, not trying to moan here, but one thing to note was the queue to get in. It did go quite a way down the river. Um, there's only four turnstiles to get in. So we were, me and Morgs were waiting a while. But once you go in, it's just lovely open space, easy to get a drink as well, get a bit of food, loads of options. You know, the potential is there and I can't wait to see what it looks like when it's fully open. It's great to have those views back over the river as well. Yeah, as I say, the potential is there and it is going to look fantastic when it's full. Yeah, I think, obviously, I think those problems with queues will probably get ironed out as the season goes on, hopefully. But yeah, I'm glad you were there, mate. It's nice to know someone who actually enjoyed it. I mean, there's a lot of moaning going on at the moment, uh, particularly from fans. But also, I mean, I think, 
I think Marcus Silva's finally broken uh, <laughs> uh, Sarge. What, what were your thoughts about his... Um, he says he wasn't angry. He definitely was. Um, his thoughts about the transfer activity at the moment and particularly singling out um, Ali McIntosh and Tony Khan. Deja vu, isn't it? We've been here before. We've, um, you know, I think every every one of the last three managers that we've had uh, has uh, had these gripes. It's, it's just frustrating at this point. I think he's well within his rights to say it. I think the point that he made that really resonated with me that I hadn't thought about, we're sort of looking at it as fans, as we want players in, we want them to bed in, we want them to be able to hit the ground running. For him as a coach, he was saying, basically, how am I supposed to run a proper session with 16 senior players? How do I, how do I run a session with not enough ears? Anyone that's played football has probably been part of a team where you go training and attendance to training is a bit patchy and you know, you turn up to training and there's like nine of you there and you're like, oh, this is going to be a bit shit tonight then. You put that on a professional level, you know, it's not a case of people not turning up because they're on holiday or they're working late. There literally aren't enough players. Um, and for him, you know, how, how is he meant to push the level in training if he hasn't got the players available? Yeah, they can bring lads in from the under-23s, they can bring lads up from the academy, but, you know, if, you, if you're playing football as a, as a professional, what should be a Premier League player, and you're training with seven or eight under-23s, the level in training is not going to be high enough. And if the level in training is not high enough, how can you expect the level to be high enough when it comes to match day? So I think he's well within his rights. As a coach, he must be absolutely fuming because he just hasn't been given the tools that he needs to do his job. Yeah, I remember him saying about a year ago in an interview saying how he turned down Turkish clubs, or I think it was Turkish clubs, because the project at Fulham was so inspiring to him. Do you think he's thinking the same thing right now? We're gonna, I mean, there is an argument to be made that if maybe things had gone to plan, we would have Roe Magnoli in by now, centre-back, or we would have maybe Diop if David Moyes wasn't being a complete wanker about the situation. Not that he actually has hold him to hostage. I'm just like reading what the headlines and all the in the nose are saying. But what, what are your thoughts on this, Wigger? I think, you know, there's a few things. Obviously, it is frustrating because it feels like, you know, oh shit, here we go again. Deja vu, as Sarge said, you know, the last two managers before Silva had said about it. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. The club could be talking to any number of clubs about it. The thing that gets me is it's taking this long. You know, we knew from February, March that we were going up less, you know, not going to be up our own asses here, but we, we were getting promoted. That is how it was. And, you know, when the Solomon deal first came out, that was the day we got promoted. So the season wasn't even over. Um, You know, behind the scenes, something is going catastrophically wrong. This club is being run so poorly and I think it's poisonous at the top. I think the likes of Alistair McIntosh, who are just giving themselves constant pay rises, are a joke. I think Tony Khan, personally, I don't agree with the hate he gets on Twitter. I think that's what, however, he should be nowhere near this football club. If you're too busy to work here, don't bother. If you want to focus on wrestling, that's fine. I'd have no issue if he wants to just do the wrestling. Brilliant. But if you actually give a shit about Fulham, you'll leave. You can't do three jobs. No one can do three jobs like that. If he's trying to take home more of a paycheck from his dad, then fine. But, you know, this is people's livelihoods. People have jobs here. Every time we go down, it costs a club money and people will lose their jobs. Fans suffer every year. We have to go through this emotion. It's people's livelihoods that are being affected here. And we go through the same thing every time. I don't care if he would kill for us to be a yo-yo club when he came in. We were in the Premier League for 13 years before Shahid Khan took over. And now we're bouncing up and down between the Premier League. We have a right to demand more from our football club. We pay our money and we go and watch them. We follow them all around the country. I'm fed up with this half-hearted attempt to try and justify his role in the football club. I think he's a joke and I think he should just leave for his own benefit and for everyone else's because he is dragging us down in the mud. So as far as I'm concerned, he can go and Macintosh can go with him. I'm really sick of you sitting on the fence, Wigger, mate. I really, it's just really rub, like rubbish of you. I, <laughs> that that did, quite I quite enjoyed it. it. Yeah, I yeah. Um, <laughs> can I, can I yeah. just jump in quickly? Can I just sort of add something in? So my, my line has been all along through this window that it's very difficult to get deals over the line. We're in a very poor negotiating position because we, we don't have defenders. So any club that we go to and say, we want to buy your centre-back, they're going to be like, well, you know, 
you need the centre back, so we're going to charge you top whack for it. Um, so I accept that we're in a, a poor negotiating position when it comes to that. But like Wigo said, we should have had our targets and everything lined up. These discussions should have been taking place ages ago. You know, West Ham knew at the end of last season, for example, that Issa Diop was going to be fifth choice centre back. They had a centre back signing lined up for themselves that was going to push him down the pecking order. So if we've identified him as a target, that's something, that's a, initial discussions on that should have taken place in April. Now they may have done, but we've obviously not done a very good job in those discussions because we're still at a point now where we're nowhere near an agreement with West Ham on how much we're going to pay them. Now, for me, that would be an acceptable thing if we hadn't had the two seasons like this that we've had before when we got promoted. This is the third time we're now going into August without players in the yeah. door. You know, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> we're on the third time now. Like we, we can't, we can't keep making these excuses for these people. And anyone that does any job to the level that Alistair McIntosh has done it for however long he's been at the club now, no one else would have a job. I don't really understand how he's managed to stay in position for as long as he has because he's not, he's not been successful. No one in those positions at the club yeah. has been he's successful. He's been there for fourteen years. I think, I think, I think in a way you've. I was just going to say, I think in a way you kind of can give the club a benefit of a doubt. Last time, in terms of 2020, we got promoted on the 4th of August and, you know, we only had a few weeks to turn it round to the start of the season. That was always going to be a hard job. You know, you were never, ever going to, you know, be cruising at the start of the season. Admittedly, it was a lot worse than it should have been. Um, But in the end, we did get the right players in. However, the club can't keep justifying waiting until deadline day to get players through the bloody door. You know, we've said about it so often. And as you've said, it, Macintosh, I mean, if, if any of us were performing like that in our job, we'd be straight out the door. And this man's getting a bloody pay rise. I read somewhere he's one of the most expensive chief, chief executives in the Premier League. Wow. How? Yeah. What's he, what's, he, what's he actually done for the club? He just turns up. You know, you never hear from him. You never see him. Shade Khan speaks more than him. And he's over in America most of the time. Like, the bloke is a joke, honestly. It appears to me that Ali McIntosh, I mean, started out as a commercial guy, and I think he's worked a lot on the pier and and to do with the new the new stand. But th- there's just I'm not asking for transparency on term in terms of who they've targeted or like who they didn't get through the line because Tony Khan tried that on Twitter, right? And it didn't go very well. He said, "Oh, we tried to sign Ivan Tony, or we gave that huge speech. Oh, we wanted these centre back, and it just came as excuses, and everyone just hated him more." I don't want transparency on like how we're actually doing business, but what I would like some transparency on is if there are other people involved because at the moment it's sounds like it's just Ali McIntosh sitting in an office talking to Tony Khan on Zoom and maybe talking to obviously Marcus Silver about stuff but you just feel like there should be another figure in there maybe they have a whole team I don't know I would just like to know because you know you hear about these great director of footballs that you have for clubs like Brighton now and Newcastle and Dan Ashworth you just feel like you could have someone like that under a billionaire ownership and actually make this a really good success so it's quite it's frustrating it is frustrating to say the least but you know in the last week we've had rumors again of Issa Diop, Eric Bailly's now back on the scene. You've got John Lushumi, uh Nat Phillips, Abdou Diallo, Melang Sar, Attila Sazalai. I'm probably murdering these surnames by the way. Apologies everyone. Yannick Vestergaard, Omar Alderet, like so it's just scattergun. It seems like we're really panicking this week and um I think we deserve to be because of how badly we've done this business, but at the same time we do need to get someone in and we need the right ones in immediately. Um I think we we can move on, lads. Uh, otherwise, we're going to just be the moaning podcast for too long. So let's let's go on to Liverpool really quickly. So Liverpool obviously had a very well. Actually, they, what what was their preseason like? They they had a really good game against Man United, and then it was a bit hit and miss, wasn't it, Sarge? Yeah, well, they got beat by Man United, didn't they? Did United turn them over four 0 Oh yeah, yeah, they did. Sorry, I'm thinking the wrong yeah. way around. Yeah, you're right. Um, so they what they lost four nil. But but from what I saw, I didn't see the game. I just saw the sort of the stat sheet because um, I saw the score and was like, oh my god, what happened here? Um, Klopp made substitutions every half hour, so he changed the whole eleven after thirty minutes. Then he changed the whole eleven again after sixty minutes. So they basically played three teams in that game. So I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into that one. Yeah. Um, and they looked really good in the Community Shield at the weekend. Mm. So I think their preseason has gone to plan, um, regardless of what what any results might say. 
they're, 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 they're what you want to be. Not necessarily because they win stuff. I'm just talking about the way the club is run. They just don't really seem to get much wrong. And when they have got stuff wrong, because I don't, don't want to get into the whole ticket thing. I know it's been discussed already and I've vented my frustrations on it through social media, etc. But Liverpool did have a situation where they released ticket prices when they redeveloped their main stand and the fans went mental and they backtracked on it and they brought the prices down with pretty much immediate effect. So as a club, they tend to do things the right way. And then beyond that, in terms of our frustrations, they get their transfers right every time. They, they don't really miss. And I don't want to get into Carvalho because, again, we've spoken about him ad nauseum on this podcast. But they get them right. So he's come in. I expect him to do really well. Nunes has come in. I just expect him to do really well. Luis came in. Um, was it not Luis? Diaz came in in the uh, January window. And he just hit the ground running immediately. They just... They just do things the right way. They seem to have it well set up. They know what they're up to. And that's why they've been successful. Their pre-season looks like it's set them up again for another run at the title, another run at trophies on all, you know, on all stages. They played in every possible game last season. They made every final, every cup they were in. And they missed out on the league title by one point. You know, they're, they're, they're a really, really good football team. So... It's going, to be, it's going to be hard. I don't know how much we're expecting out of the game ourselves. I just want to see us go in there and, and put on you know, put on a creditable performance. The result will be what the result will be. Yeah, what would you take from this, Wigan? What would be a respectful result? And is there any sort of... I mean, we, we've done to death how, like, everyone on social media, everyone's saying how they're worried for Tim Ream, how, you know, you've got Nunes and Salah and Diaz coming at you, you know. But other than that, what have you got any thoughts about this game and how you'd actually... What would be a sort of nice... A respectful result. Obviously, we want to win or we'd like a draw, but it doesn't seem particularly likely. I see people go, oh, I'd take 3 0. Why? It's a loss, isn't it? You know, any mm. result. You don't, any... And you don't want a low, you don't want to, you don't want to kill a, you know, goal difference in a, after your first game, do you? But that's it. Any any game to lose is a bad thing. Oh, losing 2 0 is a good thing. Well, it's not, is it? Because you've lost. So, you know, I want to go into it and I want us to get a draw or I want us to win. All right. The team might not be. Uh, set up for it. However, is there a reason as to why we can't? No, not at all. Any team can beat anyone on their day. You see stuff happening in the FA Cup all the time. You see stuff happening in the league all the time. We went to Liverpool last time and won 1-0. And we drew at home. It, anything's possible. So, you know, all these players can have an off day. I don't see why we can't get anything out of the game. As I say, all right, we might not be fully prepared and you know, so what? We might be starting with Tim Ream and Tosin at the back, but they did bloody all right last year. Um, and whilst it may not be the strongest centre-back pairing for this season, to start with, fine. Let's just get on with it. Let's get it out of the way. I, I As I say, I don't see why we can't get a result out of it. We're, you know, we're good enough to be in this league and we've made some good signings elsewhere on the pitch. Um, yeah, I, I don't see why not. A, acceptable result would be a draw or a win anything else is just not a good result is it because it's a loss um that's yeah. just my opinion on it though no fair enough mate fair enough and obviously you've got as i said carvalho is coming back you've got harvey elliott who i'm, I'm fascinated to see the reception he's going to get personally i think um he's already said um on social media or to the press that he hopes that liverpool get onto a flyer so i mean i think there might be a bit of booing there um i hope there bit. is actually yeah exactly and as you were saying there, Wigan, mate, obviously you feel like we can get a result out of this. And something that really hinges on that is the signing of Bernd Leno. Now, that appears to be happening this evening as we record, but I'm not too sure. But there is now been a picture of him behind some boxes at Motspur Park. It's like a classic sort of image that you usually use to sort of take the piss. But actually, it looks like it could be him. And so... This is obviously a fantastic signing and we talk about our business and we talk about how frustrating it's been. But sometimes when you do delay, getting him for 8 million as opposed to the 15 that we were rumoured for is actually probably quite good in all things considered. And I would just like to know what you think about this signing, Sarge, and just genuinely if it could be a bit of a game changer for us against Liverpool and if you'd start him, if ready. This is what I mean when I sort of like contradict myself about our business. Like the, the signings that we have made and that we appear to be making look like really good, looks like really good business. We're, we're signing good players. Bern Leno is an international goalkeeper. He is 
a very good player. Arsenal fans will tell you that he's a very good goalkeeper. Um, and so it's, if we can get him for that price, then fantastic. It just, it, like I said, it just feels a bit late. Um, would I sign him at the weekend? Yeah, if he's in the door tomorrow and he can train tomorrow, then I would, I would start him at the weekend. I would start him if he could train Thursday. Um, there is there is an element of you know him getting to know the team and bed in and and there's no way you can argue that it wouldn't be better for him to train with the team for longer before he plays. But he's an experienced goalkeeper. We we may as we may as well get him in as soon as possible. I spoke about this back end of last season. People talk about Rodak deserves his chance, etc. Mike Taylor deserves his chance when we got promoted under Tigana. And we signed Edwin van der Sar. If you can upgrade the goalkeeper, you can gain yourself points. And in this case, we're upgrading the goalkeeper. So for me, he goes straight in. Yeah, I mean, £8 million. What a bloody bargain that'll be. Um, you know, I've seen pictures, someone's put on Twitter, that there's a picture of Leno at the training ground now on one of the balconies, um, which is a really positive sign. And it would be great to have him in before the weekend because, you know, as Sarge said, if he can train and start him, and a fantastic point about Mike Taylor as well. Uh, Leno will be crucial for us this year. We all know how good he is. We've watched Premier League football before. It's the sort of signing that can keep us in this league. And I think it's really good business by the club. It's just a shame it's taken so bloody long. And we're now four days before the start of the season. But it's one of those things. I'll be very happy to see him signed. Uh, better late than never. But it's a good start. And there's still quite a few to go, I think. We still need probably another five or six players elsewhere on the pitch as well. Um, but what what a great signing and for you know bargain fee really eight million pound. It doesn't get you a lot these days, but that is really good business. And do you think we'll see Solomon play in this game? I think he's now registered, seeing as it's now the second of August and it happened on the first. What are your thoughts on that, Sarge, mate? It depends if he's been able to play in these behind closed doors games. Um... If he was able to play on Friday against Villa, and we had a couple of other behind-closed-doors games that I've still seen sort of banded around, if he's played in a few of those, then then I, I don't see why he wouldn't start. Um, if he hasn't been able to play in those, and I, I don't know what the rules are, I don't know what the regulations are, I would have thought that even if he wasn't registered, he could play as a trial. Surely he could play as a trialist in a friendly. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are on that. So I was surprised that he wasn't allowed to play in any of those sort of public friendlies, because they are still friendlies. So if he's been able to get some match time, then I would expect that he can play. The, the thing to remember with him is, is that obviously he's come from the Ukraine and their league, he hasn't really played a lot of football for the last eight months. So it'll be interesting to see where he's at and where, where the coaching staff feel he's at in terms of being able to perform competitively. I, I've got a feeling he'll start on the bench this weekend. I think Marco will go with tried and tested, Bobby Reid, Nisi and Scabano in the wide areas. Bobby Reed is a very dependable player. I also think with Liverpool, Bobby Reed has that level of discipline. He, he can help out with the defending side of things a bit more. And I'm not, I don't think we've seen enough of Solomon to exactly how well he goes in the other direction yet. Um, so I think that's what we'll probably see at the weekend. But I'd expect him to come on, certainly at some point in the game. I'd expect to see him play uh, some part. But I think he'll start on the bench. Yeah. And obviously, we mentioned about Harry Wilson earlier. I mean, he's not going to recover from his knock in time for this. It seems about six weeks. Um, do you? I mean, I already said already, Wigger, that we need to get another winger in. It seems like our strongest link at the moment, which is happening quite rapidly from Roma, is uh, Justin Kluivert. Um, I've probably said that wrong again. Sorry, everyone. But I mean, th- he can play on either wing and it seems to be quite fast. I mean, his stats aren't the best, but I mean, we obviously need to get another winger in. I know BDR can obviously slot in for this game, but yeah, I just want your thoughts on if you think another winger is a priority, especially now that Wilson is injured. I definitely agree that we could do with another winger. I, th- obviously, we all know there are more priority positions, but I think if we go, if we see the window out with not getting another ring- another winger in, excuse me, I think we might struggle because as much as I love Cabano and I absolutely love him, I'm not sure he's quite got it for the Premier League. Um, Fantastic player in the Championship and I will be happily proved wrong by him. That would be fantastic. Bobby Reid, listen, looked good the other day. 
when we were last in the Premier League, looked looked really good, very versatile, played at right wing back a few times, scored a goal against Liverpool at home as well. Um, I think he's one of those players who seems to be better in the Premier League than in the Championship. I think the same could be said for Anthony Robinson, really, uh, who's also looked good in pre-season. But I, at the end of the day, we are going to be going with Cabano and Deco Dover Reed, aren't we? I mean, as you say about Solomon not played for however many months properly, and then Wilson being injured. But it is what it is, isn't it? There's yeah. not a lot you can do about it. You're missing two first-choice wingers. That is just bad luck, really. Solomon could start. I mean, we could be completely wrong here. But, uh, you know, as you say, I'd be very surprised. As much as he's got game time, the tempo's just not there, is it, in pre-season? Mm. This is a whole different ball game. So Silver might want to ease him into it. Or he might just get chucked straight in the deep end. Who knows? But... um Either way, I think the two wingers that we have, you know, played well last season. I don't see why why not this season, you know, to start with anyway, especially as we can't pick Wilson. For that bit of depth, I mean, I don't know if any of you watched the Watford game last night against Sheffield United, but I thought that their front line, although they went down, as Morgan would argue on the group, that you've got Saar, Dennis. I mean, like, would you take one of those potentially? I mean, there were rumours that we were going to do some sort of deal with Burnley for Maxwell Cornet with like, you know, a loan and then a guaranteed buy. But some one of those, a Dennis or a Saar, to help us in that sort of in that sort of position. Do you think that would be something we might do there, Sarge? Yeah, I'd probably go with Dennis over Saar just because he, he's proven that he can play through the middle as well. And we, we probably do need a bit of support in a central position you know if god forbid something happens to Mitrovic he, he does seem very robust he doesn't get a lot of injuries but you know the worst could happen and the word is that Rodrigo Muniz is going to go to Borough on loan and get some get some first team action in the championship which I think would be good for him and then Dennis Dennis can play through the middle but he's always going to struggle to get up centre forward because they essentially know that they're they are the backup um, and Mitrovic plays most of the game, you know, through the course of his plays. I think when we were in the Premiership in 2018, uh, 2018-19, I think he played every single game. I don't think he missed one. Last season, you could count on one hand how many of the 46 in the Championship that he missed. So if you come in as a backup striker, you are very much a backup. If you've got a player that can play wide, can play just off of him, can play through the middle as well, then that person has the opportunity to get more minutes and they're probably going to be a bit more immediately coming in as not the first choice striker. Dennis would probably be my preference in that sense. He looks a good player. I think we're going to have competition for him. He, I don't think he'll see out the window at Watford. Um, I think he'll end up going somewhere. It just remains to be seen where we, we won't be the only ones interested. Similar with Corne, we won't be the only one interested in him. But yeah, we definitely need some depth in those areas. Light. The squad's light several areas. Centre-back is obviously the most alarming, but the squad is light in central midfield. The squad is light in attacking areas too at the moment. I think front to back, 1-11, to 11, we are competitive. And like Wigo said, going into this weekend, I know I said the score will be what the score will be. Wigo's absolutely right. We can compete in one-off game at the moment with our team as it is. We can compete. People can say what they want about Tim Ream. In a one-off game, Tim Ream can hold his own. He can have a game good enough to hold his own at this level. But over the course of a season, that's where our problems are going to come in. So right now, through these early parts of the season, what we've got, we we may pick up some results, but the sooner we get some support in for those players, the better. And I think those attacking areas are going to be just as important as what we do defensively over the course of 38 games. Yeah, I mean, just following on from Sard, I definitely think a good signing would be someone like Dennis, you know, the versatile uh, forward, someone who can play on the wing. Uh, you see the likes of Maxwell Cornet or Emmanuel Dennis, though. If they come in, they are not going to want to be second fiddle even on the wing, let alone up front. That is my only problem. And can they play across that sort of three attacking midfielders, you know, the two wingers and the number 10? Because as good as Pereira's looked, we're light in that area as well. And Bobby Reed, all right, whilst he's a good option there, I still don't think it's strong enough. So, you know, you're looking for someone that can play four positions, really. And that is, they're going to be in demand. You know, the teams, especially fighting down the bottom this season, the likes of Everton, um, for example, who are in from in Forest, they're going to need players like that as well. So we're not going to be the only ones. And it's going to be a case of like an auction, I think, who's going to bid the highest. And I don't think we're the sort of club to get mugged off. 
um, in terms of value. That's certainly how it's seen from some of the deals this uh, this summer so far. So it is going to be interesting to see how it goes. But one thing to note is that, you know, in pre-season, certainly from the games I've watched, is that uh, Stansfield has tend to, tended to be bought on instead of Mitrovic. So that does kind of show that Muniz isn't really in the plans this season. Not necessarily that is uh, you know, going to be cut out completely. Maybe just that they are preparing for him to go on loan and get some game time because there's a good player in there. Would I be confident if Mitrovic went off in the 70th minute injured and Muniz was going to come on and try and win us the game? No, no, I wouldn't. As much as I love him, as much of a hero he is to all of us fans. He's just not quite ready yet, I don't think. So a season at, at Borough, at a strong Borough team at that as well, will do him mm. the world of good. And I think he'll be a real asset to us next season, whatever league we're in, whether we stay up, you know, it could make him a much better player. And he'll be very useful to us uh, come that point. Well, speaking of staying up, just before we move on to season predictions, lads, I, we have a poll on Fulham Focus, and I just want to discuss it in about two or three minutes of you. So the poll is, as it stands, whose squad is best equipped for the opening weekend of the Premier League and for the general season's upcoming? And the options, obviously, Fulham, Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest. Fulham, 25%. Bournemouth, 5%. Nottingham Forest, 70%. Now, with their transfer business, maybe the fact that they're a bigger club with good home support and they play a sort of system like Brentford did in the later half of last season with five at the back and the fact they got some scalps in the FA Cup last season. Would you say that's justified there, uh, Sarge? But I know you have some thoughts, actually, that maybe there's a bit... They've gone maybe quantity over quality in this case. Yeah, they're definitely more ready than us right now. They are, they have a squad that is that is set up. They look kind of how they're going to look, or they certainly look closer to how they're going to look when the window closes. So they are certainly more ready. I would have them ahead in that poll at this point in time. I do think that when our business is finally done, I think we will have more quality than them. And I think we will have we will have a better squad than them. At the moment, that's difficult to justify because we haven't, we haven't, done, it, we haven't done anywhere near enough business. Um, I do wonder about Forest quality that they brought in over the course of the season. And I could be completely wrong. Players could completely surprise us. They could do you know, what Sheffield United did a few years ago and you know, players that we've not seen at this level before take to it and do really, really well. Um, or they could look like Sheffield United did two seasons ago when players that we haven't seen at this level prove that they probably weren't quite up to it in the long term. Um, I, I look at their signings and I think, who out of the players they've signed would I be excited for us to have signed? And I can only probably think of a couple. I think the centre-half they've signed, Niakate, I don't know if I said that right, um, he, he's a player, obviously, we need centre-backs. As far as I'm aware, he's a left-sided centre-back with a good reputation. I would have I would have been happy to see him come through the door. Nico Williams, we know what he's all about. I wouldn't have minded us getting hold of him. But then at the same time, for the price that Liverpool were asking for him, that didn't represent a good deal for us. So, you know, I look at their deals, I look at the players they brought in. I'm not sure that I would necessarily be doing cartwheels if we signed them. So I don't think the quality is there at this point in time. But, like I say, they are most ready and they look most like they will look by the close of the window as compared to us and Bournemouth, who have done very little business. Yeah, I mean, much like Sarge, I was on a roundtable last week on a Bournemouth podcast with Bournemouth fans and Forest fan, and I said I'm getting a sense of deja vu. Um, as Sarge said, you know, quantity over quality, in my opinion. Nico Williams, I look at him for £17 million. And I look at Mbabu for five and a half million euros and I think we've got the better deal by a million times. Um, and the likes of Jesse Lingard will be a good signing. You know, there's no doubt about that. He's a really good player. And you've only got to look at his spell at West Ham uh, to show that. Do I think they'll stay up? Oh, I'm not so sure. The, a lot of these players are unproven. And the likes of Lewis O'Brien, listen, I'd have taken him for the squad depth. I think he'd have been a really good signing. Would I have been happy for him to be a starter in our central midfield? No, I probably wouldn't. But I do think he is a good player. Um, you know, Omar Richards got potential. Harry Toffolo, quite unproven. Um, would be interesting to see how he gets on. Dean Henderson trying to get to the World Cup in December. So there's a lot of potential there and it could go either way. Steve Cooper's a very good manager. 
Um, and you look at Bournemouth, I, I, you know, I think they're the ones that I, I honestly think they'll be at the foot of the table this year. We know what the manager's like. I think the signings have been pretty uninspiring. I see their link with Neto from Barcelona now, um, which would be an interesting signing for them. But I, I don't see a lot of hope for them, to be honest. Uh, I just can't see them staying up. Um, uh, you know, as I say, there's a long way in the window to go, but I don't think it's looking good for them. And I do think we're in a better position than them. And uh, if you were to say right now of us and Bournemouth, who's going to stay up, you'd say us every day of the week. Very good, mate. All right. Well, after this, we'll do some season predictions. Fulham. All right, guys. So prediction time. We'll start with the first one. Where will we finish? And I'll go to you first. We go. I'm going to say 14th. I'm feeling confident this year. You know, I'll take 17th, but um, 14th. I think we can have a good year this year. And this is the most confident I've been since we've been promoted. All right, mate. I see you're 14th and I raise you 12th because I said that on a really drunken whim on the WhatsApp group and I'm just going to commit to it. So I I think 12th, I think we're going to surprise absolutely everyone. Everyone's going to be completely, yeah, (laughs) just all those Mitrovic comments are going to be slapping them back in the face. Uh, And you, Sarge, mate. Uh, So I wrote down some answers to some of these questions beforehand and I actually wrote down 14th as well. Um, Yeah, it's, I'd take 17th in a heartbeat if you offered it to me now bite your hand off but I think the, the, there's signs there that we, we can be very competitive in this league so 14 would be a nice nice finish nice okay we're all roughly on the same plane there and which player will surprise us most this season by being good or bad so I will go straight back to you that one Sarge I'm going to go Pereira Andreas Pereira I think he's going to be the one he's going to be good He's going to surprise us by being good. And um, I don't think there was a lot of fanfare when he was announced. But I think I think we've done some clever business here. I think we've picked up a player that's got good ability, fits the style of play, and is going to contribute to whatever success we achieve this season. Nice. We go, either you really strongly agree with Sajdale or really strongly disagree. What, what, what are your thoughts, mate, on this one? I was going to say Pereira as well. Um <laughs> No, I will go with Kenny Tete. I think he'll stay fit this season. And uh, I think he's a good player anyway, but I think he will have an outstanding season. He got injured at the weekend, didn't he? No, I don't think so. Rumours of a limp because he got sent off. Everyone, everyone was limping. No, I don't know. I, I think he could stay fit this <laughs> like, He could stay fit this season. And uh, listen, we know how good he is, but I think he will be fantastic this season and show why he was playing in the Champions League uh, before he signed for us. So, yeah. Only because Sarge stole my answer. Very good. I'm going to go with, as in surprise of the season by being good, I'm going to go with Bobby Decadova-Reed. I think he's going to build upon the tally that he got for us two seasons ago in the Premier League. And I think he will be relishing this opportunity to step up to Harry Wilson being injured for a bit. I know we don't, I mean, we always talk about Bobby Decadova's Reed's favoured position, but I think he scored a lot of goals from the right, from the right, I believe for us two seasons ago. And I think he'll, yeah, I think he'll definitely do some business for us. All right. We'll go to top assister. Ooh, go on. We go. I am going to go with Manor Solomon. I think he'll, uh, I think he'll whip some good crosses in from the right. He's quick. He'll get past fullbacks really easily. And I can see Mitrovic latching onto a few of those crosses. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go with the new boy. All right. And you, Sarge? So, so I would have said Wilson, but now he looks like he's going to be out for the first possibly two months of the season. I've changed it. And I've, I've gone back to a previous pick, which was Andreas Pereira. Um, he got two assists for Mitrovic in pre-season from corners. He's obviously going to be on dead balls. Um, so I think, I think he might be the one. I think him... He plays that end role slightly differently to Carvalho. So whereas Carvalho was getting into the box and getting on the end of things, he seems to be a player that finds a space and then plays that final pass. And I think he'll uh, he'll be laying on for other people this season. Pre-season Perlo, mate. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna I was gonna say Pereira myself, but um, in terms of maybe surprises for assists, I'm gonna go with Mbabu. Um, I thought his cross was really good when he came on against the, in the friendly, and I think he will rotate really nicely with Tete and I think he can do some serious business as that flying fullback that Marcus Silva loves so I'm going to go in Babu for that just a rogue choice because obviously Solomon's the 
the obvious one to say, or Pereira because he's our new number 10 sort of role. And top goal scorer, I think this is pretty obvious, but are we all, we're all Mitrovic here, aren't we? Should we go to you first, Wigger? Yeah, he's going to score 25 goals and all those tweets nice. on Twitter are going to be proved wrong. Um, yeah, have it, quite frankly. <laughs> he scored three last time because he didn't play. You know, people don't understand football. He's going to score maybe not 25. I reckon he could score 15 this season, at least. I think 15 as well, actually. I I, I, I scout for 15 as well. What about you, Saj? Yeah, I think in that sort of 15 range. Look, I mean, the, the man, he scored 11 the last time in an awful team. He scored nine in his full season at Newcastle. And this talk about him not being a Premier League striker is nonsense. Chris Wood's made a career off of scoring 10 goals a season. He's better than Chris Wood. He's going to score in excess of 10 goals. I think he'll get close to 15. No one else in our team can really be considered a top goal scorer um, at this point in time, can they? Let's be honest. Exactly. And he's, his game has changed so much. I mean, he'll, he'll score goals, but he also, he'll do it from all kinds of positions now. He's just almost a sort of like, he does that really nice, you know, laying on goals and connecting everything up a lot better than he's ever done before. So I, I think we're going to see a, a, the most complete sort of striker we've ever seen in Mitrovic this season. Um, most anticipated away day. I'll go to you, Wigo. Oh, I'm trying to do all of them this year. Um, I'm going to go with Bournemouth. I think it'll be a big game. And I do love an away day at Bournemouth. Last time I spent the weekend down there um, and it was fantastic. So I'll go with that one. But I am really looking forward to Newcastle away as well because I've not done it for ages. Nice. I'm going to go with Leicester because I really want to try their um, sausage and red uh, red Leicester roll, which is on footy scram, which looks fucking unreal, actually. It looks really tasty. So I'm going to go with Leicester just for that reason. And plus, I've never been before. What about you, Sarge? So I, I had written down my top three in case mine got taken. And number one was Bournemouth. Number two was Newcastle. That's all right. But number three, I've gone Brentford. I've gone Brent. I'll, I'll go Brentford because it's, it's different. Um, we, haven't, we haven't been in that stadium yet as away fans. Um, it's a derby. It's in the Premier League. It's bigger than it's ever been before. Um, we weren't obviously at Wembley for, for what was the biggest game against Brentford. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting in there and, and hopefully ruffling their feathers at their new Lego stadium. <laughs> Brilliant. And last but not least, how many more signings in by deadline day, Wigger? Uh, I'm going to say, excluding Leno, six. I think that there's going to be uh, some players that are going to realise that they're not part of plans for their club this year and they're going to want to go to the World Cup in uh, in Qatar in December, so they're going to want to go out on loan and get some game time, similar to the likes of Areola, Loftus Cheek, um, etc. Last time round, so I do think there'll be a lot of players on the move. So I'm going to go six, but I think it. I don't think it will be any less. I think it will be six or more. Um, I'd be very surprised if it's less than that. And for you, Sajman? Yeah, six is probably my minimum. Minimum number. I, I think we're going to do a bit more. I think we're going to see probably maybe eight come in, um, a couple of loans to sort of just supplement the squad a bit. Players that maybe aren't necessarily going to play a lot of minutes, but but we need the bodies in. Um, if Marco says he's currently working with 16 senior players, then six only takes him up to 22, and you really want a squad of 25. So yeah, I think I think somewhere around eight is probably what we're what we're working with. I know I nine would take us to twenty five, but I feel like nine is pushing it, so I'm going to say eight. Yeah, I'm going to say seven. I think you're right. I think there are going to be a lot more both of you, and I think that obviously the Khan's relish and work best under deadline day sort of activity and tension. Um, they always look for the best deal when, like with Anderson and like with other players we've had in the past. So I can see us going absolutely going for that. Right. That's it, Laz. Now, we're going to just answer this quiz question. And the question was, following the club's promotions to the Premier League in 2001, 2018 and 2020, in total, how many Fulham debuts were there across the opening league games of those three Premier League seasons? And the games were Man United away, 2001, Palace at home, 2018, Arsenal at home in 2020. And I will go, obviously... Just before I go on, the nearest answer wins. And I'll go to you first, Sarge. Oh, I'm going to say nine. I'm definitely missed some, nice. some, but I'm going to say nine. All right. 
And for you, Wigger. I've gone with 14, uh, 2018 being a particularly big one for the amount of debuts debuts that were given. So, yeah, I've gone with 14. All right. Well, the answer is 11. So this goes straight to Sarge because he just got that little, he was just that little bit closer than you. I'm sorry, Wigger, mate. Yeah, so well done, Sarge, mate. So so the, the 11 were versus Man United away in 2001. The debuts were Edwin van der Sar, John Harley, Steed Malbronk, Abdez Uwadu. And he was an 88th minute sub, Uwadu. Versus Crystal Palace at home in 2018. It was Fabry, Callum Chambers, Maxime Lamarchon, Joe Bryan, Jean-Michael Seri, Andre Scherler, Luciano Vieto, who was a 71st minute sub. Just to be added, Timothy Fossumensa and Sergio Rico were unused substitutes, so they don't count in that game, all right? Now, versus Arsenal at home in 2020, the answer is none. Alfonso Ariola was the only new name in the matchday squad, and he didn't come on. So there you have it. All right. So that's uh, that's a nice little curveball from Danny there at the end of Arsenal. I can't believe we didn't have any any debuts in that season. Oh well. That's why we got pumped. That's why we. (laughs) Oh mate, hopefully we won't on Saturday. Oh man, I'm looking forward to seeing you. Well, actually, I won't be there. I'm going to be on holiday, but I'm looking forward to talking to you about it, and I look forward to the meltdown on WhatsApp. You know what I mean? You're all going, of course, aren't you? I'm going with Wigo. Are you? Nice. Well, you're sitting in Hammy End, obviously. No, I'm not paying those prices. No, it's Johnny Haynes. I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm Dennis's bodyguard for the day. <laughs> so, uh, no pictures, no paparazzi. So, I'm the bodyguard. <laughs> Fair, brilliant. Oh man, it's, they're going to be singing straight away when they see you, Sarge. Mate, it's going to be great. All right. Well, look, thank you very much for joining us. So good to see your faces, lad, and obviously talk. And we'll be back. We'll be back with a reaction to Liverpool. And we'll see you very soon. Many thanks. Keep listening. Fulham.